News Network. In 1970, Ray Davies wrote, Girls will be boys and boys will be girls. It's a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world. Now I ask you, who would have ever thought of Ray Davies as a prophet? Well, that's a discussion worth having a beer over. So, pardon the expression, some straight talk. You're in luck. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And straight talk is what we do. And your Latter-day Prophet is Dan Newman. Don't know about the prophet piece, but uh, yeah, Latter-day, I believe we are in the latter days. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Where we are in northwest Louisiana, we had some very severe weather last night. No idea if we had tornadoes in our area, but electricity is out all over northwest Louisiana. Over the border into Texas, some bad problems there. A tornado, definitely. And if you hear a little rumble in the background, guess what that is? It's the TNN Live studio generator. Yeah, we don't have electricity the normal kind that you get and we take for granted, all of us do. Nevertheless, we're not going to let that stop us. We've got a big Friday show for you. You're going to hear from your president, yeah, several times in today's show. Sad to say, what you're going to hear is not really pleasant, but it is Joe Biden. As promised, Michael McDonald, beginning and ending of our shows. This, my friends, is one of his very best.
that is the Doobie Brothers together. That was from the first, the very beginning of Michael McDonald joining the Doobie Brothers. And once again, I'll say good morning to you. Shreveport, Louisiana just got blasted overnight. I'm still getting texts and emails. We have a couple of hospitals here locally that don't have power. Now, we don't see that happen very often. I don't know exactly what went on last night. It woke me up. I mean, really. It was loud thunder, lots of lightning and thunder and rain. And uh, this morning, very early, I got up and I went outside and we had tree limbs down all over this particular area. Anyway, we're glad we're here with you today. Full show today, and I want to get started with it right now with one of our editions of First Thoughts. You remember this quote? It's time for America to get back to work and fill out our great downtowns again with people. That was President Biden. With the worst of the pandemic over, people working from home can feel safe and begin to return to their office. We're doing the thing here in the federal government. The vast majority of federal workers will once again work in person. That again was President Biden. That was from his State of the Union address in January of 2022. I don't need to tell you, it's now June of 2023. That has not yet happened. Remote work seems to have gone on remote control with costly consequences for you and I, the taxpayers. Two months ago, Biden's Office of Personnel Management, the OPM it's called, they issued guidances urging agencies to bring workers back to the office full-time. That makes sense. The pandemic's over, right? But according to The Hill, the guidance does not set concrete dates or targets for moving back to in-office work and does encourage remote work where it has been most efficient, perhaps making some telework a standard part of federal agencies going forward. I don't like any of this. If somebody works for me, which every member of the federal government works for me and you, I like them to be where they're supposed to be, where we can get one-on-one. We can make phone calls and get right to the right people. Yeah, like that happens, huh? (laughs) Clearly, no question about it, there's been no sense of urgency about repopulating federal offices. To some degrees, it's understandable. An April Federal News Network survey of about 4,700 federal employees found that two-thirds would look for a new job if they were ordered to return to the office full-time, or at least more than they are currently doing so. Whether or not that many actually would go job hunting, let alone find better situations, better jobs, it makes sense that agencies wouldn't be in a hurry to create morale problems But as for keeping remote work where it has been most efficient, the evidence currently available says it hasn't been efficient at all. When the director of OPM testified before the House Committee on Oversight back in March, it was very clear that the OPM was not properly tracking levels of telework or performance data on those workers working remotely. In May this year, Chairman Comer 
and nearly two dozen members of the committee sent letters to 25 federal agencies. They requested information into their telework and remote work rates and policies. That's what House oversight stuff is supposed to be about, right? Making sure all your employees are working and doing the right jobs. In a press release published the same month, March of this year, the committee announced a probe into federal agencies' telework and remote work policies to determine their impacts on employee performances and service deliveries. This move to remote and telework in the early stages of the pandemic made sense. But even then, many raised concerns that the federal agencies lacked the mechanisms with which to properly monitor this transition. Unfortunately, these fears were not unfounded as an internal Health and Human Services report showed it showed that 25% of HHS employees were not logging into work on any given day. 25%. Now that's according to their login data. In one of the reports, they compared employee leave usage from 24 federal agencies before and since the pandemic telework policies were put in place. The increase in telework directly correlated with a dramatic decline in the use of both annual and sick leave. Compared to leave usage from 2018, pre-pandemic, leave usage dropped between 15 and 40% among those federal agencies in 2020. That was COVID year, right? This is pretty frightening. The revelation could mean that federal employees may have fudged their time and attendance numbers to the tune of about $1.4 billion. That's billion with a B in taxpayer money. Government agencies themselves have cited problems with telework. In September of 2021, that's when it first got started, Social Security's Inspector General said computer logs and telephone records of its employees aiming to ensure its employees were engaging in work activities at the proper times. The probes have resulted in employee discipline, including firings, according to the Inspector General. That's at Social Security. There are countless other federal policies that were enacted as a result of the pandemic that we could talk about. Many of those decisions made were understandable given the information available at the time. Remember, we knew very little about COVID and what it was going to do and how and who it affected and impacted. And oh my God, if you listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci every day from the White House, you were scared to death. You didn't even want to breathe outdoors. Yet post-pandemic new light, it shows us that many policies were outright detrimental, and were abused by some federal employees. Duh, you think? For some reason, the Biden administration continues to defend these policies today. And they even want to make some of them permanent without producing data supporting their effectiveness. They don't really care. doesn't cost them a dime. Well, they pay taxes too. I don't know about that. But it cost every American money that we can't track its effectiveness 
when these people aren't going to work. With so much of our money on the line, taxpayer money on the line, the public is right to expect some greater transparency and certainly some accountability. There's that A word. I've been talking about it here at TNN Live now for over a month. Accountability. Know what you got to do. Do what you've got to do. And somebody's going to hold you accountable for doing it right and doing it when you're supposed to do it. Unfortunately, our federal government has no urgency. They are not eager to deliver the transparency and accountability to the taxpayers in America. So I'll leave it here. How do you fix it? How can you fix that? I'll just say this. We are out of COVID world. We do not have a COVID pandemic. If you are necessary in the U.S. government, the federal government in the operation, anywhere, doesn't matter if it's remotely, overseas, if you're part of the American government, you need to go to work. And if you don't want to go to work, and when I say go to work, I'm not talking about, you know, going in your office at home and firing up your computer and logging in to show that you're there at work. I'm talking about go to work. If you don't want to go to work, go get another freaking job. See what that new employer says. You can find some online work. I haven't looked for a job in I don't know how long, 30, 40 years. And every day I get emails from these headhunters that are saying, hey, 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 you can make $1,500 a day and do it remotely. We need you. You can find work if you want to do remote work. So go do it. But if you're part of the federal government and you want to stay part of the federal government, you need to get your butt to the office. I'm just saying. You got to go to work. Well, don't forget this. I've been telling you about this all week. I'll tell you one more time. Dr. Judy Mikovits will be on live with us on TNN Live Monday morning. Don't forget it. The 19th, Monday morning at exactly 9 o'clock, she'll join us. Hopefully, she'll be able to stay on with us for two hours. She committed that she thinks she could. Last time she came at the beginning, the very beginning of the COVID pandemic, she she prophesied. I mean, Pete Moss in that intro, he called me a prophet. She really was a prophet back in 2020. She predicted everything that was going to happen in our pandemic from top to bottom, long before any of it happened. How did she know all this? Well, she's an expert in infectious diseases, and she knows Dr. Anthony Fauci well, and she told us then he was going to do a top-down lockdown on the nation. He was going to push for mandatory masking, social distancing. He was going to have businesses, schools, have the nation shut down with fear, using fear as a tool. She will be with us on Monday morning at 9 o'clock. And if you weren't around TNN Live back in 2020, I want you to hear that interview that I did with her. We were the first place she came after her gag order from Anthony Fauci 
after that date, that end date of the gag order happened, she came to TNN Live. I want you to hear that. Here's how we're going to make it available to you. Sunday morning at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 9 a.m., our normal showtime, we don't do a weekend show, as you know, but normally we would try to accommodate you by playing this in some other spot. We're going to play it. It's two hours. Actually, a little bit more than two hours. We're going to play it right here, TNN Live. Get it the same way you get our show every day and be able to hear, and then the next day, come back. She'll be with us live, and we are going to listen to her tell us exactly what she predicted, what the results were, and where we stand right now. Dr. Judy Mikevitz, she's brilliant. She'll also talk to us about those three documentaries, Plandemic, Plandemic 1, excuse me, Plandemic 2, and Plandemic 3. And we have already put the links to those on our website for you. And so you need to see those. If you can, if you have time before Monday, make sure you get the links to it. Plandemic, Plandemic 2, and Plandemic 3. Big news coming out of the Supreme Court. They've got a bunch of stuff that we are expecting rulings on today. But one happened last week that really has a bunch of people upset. Chief Justice John Roberts. Now, he's a guy that we thought when he was appointed years ago. He was a conservative justice. And he was for a while. But then he started moving a little more to the left in his rulings, a little further left. And last week, he made a major error in judgment. He rejected the state of Alabama's 2022 Congressional Redistricting Plan. That was an error that, as dissenting Justice Samuel Alito says, put the Voting Rights Act on a perilous and unfortunate path. So Roberts was joined by three liberal justices and also Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Roberts, writing for the majority, approved race being the driving factor in drawing up boundary lines of political districts while denying he was doing so. That's exactly what he did with his vote. That violates Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, incidentally. And oh, by the way, another little document we have to or we're supposed to adhere to, especially the Supreme Court justices, that would be the U.S. Constitution. That ruling out of the Supreme Court is anti-constitutional. Here's what it means. Here's what was going on. Alabama has seven congressional districts. Since 1992, one of those districts, District 1, has been a majority-minority district where black voters can elect their candidate of choice. That plan was drawn by another federal court back in 92 as a result of another lawsuit filed under the Voting Rights Act. District One, as dissenting Justice Clarence Thomas says, by the way, Clarence Thomas is African-American. Justice Thomas says, District 1 occupies the southwest pocket of Alabama, consisting of the state's two populous Gulf Coast counties, including the Port of Mobile. It is indisputable, he said, that this Gulf Coast region is the sort of community of interest around which the state legislature could decide a congressional district should be built 
since it contains the state's only coastline, its only port, and is bordered on the north by the Alabama and Mobile Rivers, and its economy is tied to the Gulf of Mexico to shipping, shipbuilding, tourism, and commercial fishing. Since 92, Alabama legislators have maintained District 1 with only marginal changes in the boundary lines. And so since then, there have been virtually no changes in the black population of Alabama, which was then and remains today about a quarter of the state's population. But here we go. Who comes to the table? The NAACP and other liberal groups, they challenged the latest 2022 congressional map. They claimed that black voters were entitled to two majority-minority districts and that the failure to provide a second black district violated Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which prohibits, and I'm going to quote the law, the Voting Rights Act, quote, the denial or abridgment of the right to vote of any citizen based on his or her race or color. That prohibits drawing voting district lines based on any race or color. And that's exactly what the Supreme Court finding is saying. We're going to make a new district based on color. A three-judge panel found in the challenger's favor and issued an injunction prohibiting the use of the plan. Yet the only way that the NAACP's experts could fashion a second black district was to break up District 1 and make race the predominant factor in drawing the new boundary lines. There was no evidence in the case that Alabama legislators had somehow denied or abridged the right of black Alabamans to vote, despite Justice Roberts' claims to the contrary. Instead, as Thomas himself pointed out, Clarence Thomas, black justice, the only real basis for the lower court's decision concluding that this redistricting plan diluted black residents' votes was because it is possible to draw two majority black districts in the state. Possible. But, said Thomas, the text of Section 2 and the logic of vote dilution claims require a meaningfully race-neutral benchmark, and no race-neutral benchmark can justify the lower court's finding of vote dilution. In fact, he said, the only benchmark that can justify it and the one of the lower court applied is the decidedly non-neutral benchmark of proportional allocation of political power based on race. In other words, because blacks constitute about a quarter of Alabama's population, the lower court concluded they're entitled to two of the seven congressional seats. But the Voting Rights Act specifically states that it doesn't establish a right to have members of a protected class elected in numbers equal to their proportion of the population. Yet that is exactly what the lower court did and what the Supreme Court has now approved. So where does this go? We're at the highest court of the land. Who do you appeal to? How do you get the court to agree to rehear this 
finding, or as it is probably going to come up later, another breach of that amendment, the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. What's going to happen there? Let me tell you what's going to happen there. It's not going to come back and change this. The NAACP, what they're going to do is say, you know what? The Supreme Court ruled that we can create congressional districts now based on race. So what they're going to start doing is looking around the nation at similar situations like existed in Alabama. And even though the Constitution makes it clear, as does the voting rights law, you cannot create congressional districts based on race. They're going to go find predominantly Hispanic districts that don't have Democrats in those districts. They're going to find Native Americans and the same thing there. And they're going to try to rebuild the United States House of Representatives into districts that are totally determined by race. Watch it. You don't think it's going to happen? Listen to me. (laughs) Just watch it. They won't say anything about doing it before they do it, but they're going to start filing cases in lower courts that they now will be able to point to this finding headed by Chief Justice Roberts. And they're going to be able to say, look, the Supreme Court's already stated it. And so what happened in Alabama, you got to do the same thing over here. And here we go. We're trying to let Washington, D.C. control every part of the electoral process, which is exactly what our forefathers warned us. Never let that happen. That's why today states are still in 100% control of each of their voting processes and running all federal elections to keep the government out of it. And a so-called conservative justice cast the deciding vote to give that power to the race baiters across the nation. That's really sad. And it's unconstitutional, by the way. But they ruled based on a absurd opinion drawn from the Voting Rights Act and the 14th Amendment. This is one of those SMH moments. I'm sitting here at TNN Live Studios, and I am shaking my head. I don't know how this crap happens. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at?
So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Missing persons. Missing persons. Missing persons. My wife is missing. Your wife is missing. My wife is missing. When did you last see her? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Where's your TV, sir? The bedroom. Have you looked in the bedroom, sir? Uh, no. She's probably watching Madlock. Madlock is on at four o'clock? Every weekday at four on Channel 2. Go check your bedroom, sir. I'll wait. Okay. I'm here. She's watching Matlock. I thought so. I didn't know Matlock was on at 4 o'clock. Every weekday at 4 on Channel 2. She really likes Andy Griffith. Of course she does. She must be so engrossed by Matlock she forgot to tell me where she was. Tell her I understand. Okay, I'll be right back. No, I didn't mean... Uh, sir? Matlock, every weekday at 4 on Channel 2. Hey, my favorite episode. Because there's nothing like a good mystery. I'm hanging up now, sir. Hello? TNN. When only the truth will do. TNN, the Truth News Network. I want to get right to some other stories, but let me just, before we move off of that Supreme Court story, let me point something out. You know, it's been a year since the Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade. Does it seem that long to you? But it has been. Months of dangerous protest at the home of the justices before they rendered that opinion. Liberal manufactured ethics scandals and failure to disclose who leaked the Dobbs opinion. We still aren't told who did it, but I guarantee you they know. Media and political pundits alike have joined in a reckless campaign to delegitimize the court and its decisions. While I disagree with this latest one we just told you about, the Supreme Court That's the last stop on figuring out what's legal or not. They need to leave it alone. Calls from the left this past year to change the structure of the Supreme Court, it reached a crescendo with more than 30 progressive groups that joined together in the left's latest effort to save democracy. That's what they call it. And how are they going to do it? Restructure the court to achieve their preferred partisan outcomes. But guess what? And I love this, and this is the reason I'm telling you this. Americans across the nation strongly reject these dangerous efforts by these so-called progressive groups. The Wall Street Journal did a poll, and in that poll, a very remarkable 91% of us, 91% of all Americans believe an independent judiciary is a crucial safeguard of our civil liberties. The just-released Mason-Dixon poll also shows 72% of us believe the politicization of the Supreme Court threatens judicial independence, and 60% oppose attacks on the integrity of some of our justices. Despite repeated 
over and over again, media stories questioning the ethics of some members of the court, in particular, Justice Clarence Thomas, 70% of us don't want Congress taking over and setting rules for judicial ethics. The Mason-Dixon poll commissioned by First Liberty Institute, they surveyed 1,100 registered voters nationally and came up with these results. For all the griping about a conservative Supreme Court, and every day it seems like we hear another wild new accusation of some type of supposed ethical misconduct, all in a desperate attempt for the Democrat Senate to take over the ethics governance of the Supreme Court. In the middle of all that, the radical left has failed to convince the people they got to convince if they want to get permission to do this, and that would be the public in its dangerous attack on the legitimacy of the court. In my opinion, and I'm just one person, in my opinion, we don't have a lot of impartial institutions in our government. Think about it real quickly. The White House? Heck no. The House of Representatives? The Senate? Heck no. Who does that leave left? There are three co-equal branches of government. We mentioned the executive branch, the White House. The legislative branch, that's the House and the Senate. And the Supreme Court and the justice system across the nation. Our federal courts, that's all that's left. Do you really think, do they on the left really think that what we need is to allow the court structure, the federal court structure, be determined by politics? Oh my gosh. Talk about looking like a banana republic. Can you imagine what the world would think about us if we went in that direction? It has to do with leadership, and it has to do with the lack of leadership and failed leadership. No credible person can stand up today and say, this president, Joe Biden, he's got all of his stuff together. He's coherent. He's on top of everything. Even though he's 80 years old, he's spry. He's always cognitive in the meeting, in the room, in the speech, every time he opens his mouth. You can't say that. Why can't you say it? Well, you can say it, but it's not true. It's not true. Shannon Bream was on one of the shows yesterday. Shannon Bream, she does that weekend show on Sunday morning now on Fox News. And she and the host got into a discussion about what is happening with Joe Biden. And they included a little bit of his latest debacle speech. Listen closely. You're not going to believe this. Welcome to the show, Fox News Sunday anchor Shannon Bream. Shannon, I mean, really junk feeds. Let's get your reaction to this. We got former Speaker Pelosi. Shannon, she's not answering Fox Business journalist Hillary Vaughn's questions about whether the president's age is a concern. And then we want your reaction to President Biden making brand new blunders and gaffes. Watch this. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in, 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 in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. 
I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. We've mobilized the world's leading emitters to help poor countries deal with the impacts of climate change. They called it the G7, the Build Back Biden. But we, the major emitters in the world, have an obligation to help those countries. Do you think that President Biden's age has finally caught up to him at all? Absolutely not. I think the president is great. I look, I'm proud to be supporting him, and I don't even know why you asked that question. Do you think he has the stamina to finish a second term if he were? Yes, I do. And please don't bother me with such frivolity, okay? There's this perception that anybody can beat him? Yeah, and I think it's conceivably that when you have an 80-year-old president who tends to mumble and meander and tell old stories about corn pop and stuff like that, yeah. and the economy's not great, you never know what's going to happen between now and 2024, Biden could get beaten by Gene. Trump. Uh, Shannon, the polls, Quinnipiac, we're looking at economists, YouGov, and more. They don't think it's a, quote, frivolity about the president's age. A lot of voters, including Democrats, voters say he shouldn't run again. Yeah, and independents also express their concern about exactly how well he is equipped to continue on. Of course, the former Speaker Nancy Pelosi is going to say age is not an issue because she's in that same club as is much of uh, Capitol Hill, honestly, in the Senate and the House side. You got a lot of older folks here, and so they don't like these questions about age. Interestingly, though, in poll results where, you know, a number of people, a vast majority will say they have concerns about President Biden continuing on when they were asked about former President Trump, who's only four years younger. So also now in his late 70s would be in his 80s if he was reelected and, and finished out that term. A much smaller percentage are worried about his physical and mental fitness to carry forward with these duties. So maybe it's not just an, an issue of age, but it is this president in particular I'm not great at uh, geography. That's in Trivial Pursuit. It's one of my weaker categories. <laughs> but even I would think that uh, a railroad across the Indian Ocean would be quite something. Yeah, 9,000 miles of ocean with the railroad. I mean, does, that doesn't concern Nancy Pelosi. You know, Shannon, your point's well taken. Yeah, you say, also, you say 10,000 words a day. You're going to make a mistake. But critics say this is cognitive stuff in real time. And by the way, China's emissions exceed all developed nations combined. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that that's another worry, where people say, okay, if this president is going to sit down with Xi and try to play hardball over things like emissions, like them, you know, buzzing one of our reconnaissance jets, you know, getting into it with warships um, in Taiwan and in that area, you know, they want somebody who's going to be very tough and be able to have these difficult conversations. And so there are questions, and again, it's not just people on the right, it is people from within his own party. You hear this muttering and this concern about the fact that they wonder if he's up to the job um, mentally and physically. Um, he had that fall we saw a couple weeks ago at the commence commencement ceremony. We're told he's doing great. I have tripped myself on stage. Um, but we do expect the leader of the free world, our yeah. commander in chief, to be held to a higher standard because it's the most demanding job in the world. One, I can't imagine why people want to do, but he's doing it and he's running to do it again. He's running to do all of this again. That was Shannon Breen on Fox News. We're going to move on, but before we do, I wanted you to hear one more little crazy thing um, that came up. You think that was bad. <laughs> Listen to this one. Africa will have one billion people. Our investments in Africa, for example, there are going to be a billion people in Africa very shortly. The global south, there are going to be a billion people in Africa very shortly. One billion. Now, Joey's very enthused about the prospect of Africa's population uh, reaching one billion people. We have one, one big problem. According to the U.N. and their estimates, 
the population of Africa at the beginning of 2021 was almost 1.4 billion. In fact, Africa's population topped 1 billion all the way back in 2009 when Joe became vice president, a day I'm sure he does not remember. So with Biden's endless struggles and growing questions about his age, stamina, and cognitive abilities, why would he deny himself the chance to pick up delegates in Iowa, New Hampshire? And is he now opening the door ever so slightly for other Democrats to seek a new candidate? That, of course, Sean Hannity last night on The Hannity Show. And Joe's been saying Africa and a billion people live there for weeks and weeks. Either nobody on his staff is doing their job and coming up and saying, Mr. President, uh, we wrote that speech for you. And it doesn't say anything in the, the manuscript that we got, what's on the teleprompter, about we're going to have a billion people in Africa before we know it. None of that is there. You're really making yourself look bad. If that's not happening, somebody needs to be fired. But if it is happening, what we're saying about his cognitive ability, calling that into question, it's real. We're not the only ones that see and hear all of this. Around the world, there are people that are doing, always doing their very best to find ways to get a leg up on the greatest nation on the planet, that would be the United States of America. And when they hear our leader, how many of those foreign leaders like Xi Jinping or the leaders of Russia, North Korea, think about that. They're hearing this. Don't you think they make decisions of what to do and not to do internationally based upon who is going to impact and the leadership of those nations that it will impact. And think about the way they looked at the United States three years ago. Xi Jinping, he wouldn't do a thing on the international stage without being in line with conversations he had with our then-President Donald Trump. Even when Obama was in the Oval Office, there wasn't a lot of foreign stuff that happened We learned this morning, we actually are looking at the Biden administration trying to go around Congress again and release billions of dollars to Iran for them to use in development of nuclear energy in their country to be used for everything but military stuff. Do you believe anything that comes out of their mouth? The Biden administration has been quietly doing it and they're trying to find a way to go around Congress and remove sanctions that were put on Iran under Donald Trump. These foreign leaders and dignitaries, they want to beat us in every way they possibly can. You know why? It's because they want to be us. They look at what we have. Their people watch what we have. From top to bottom, our government, our private sector, opportunities, they see that. And they want that for their people. They, of course, have not been willing as leaders to go through what our former leaders went through to make it possible. 
but they see and they all think the world is a zero-sum game. In other words, there is only so much success nation to nation. There's like somebody dumped a bowl of success on the top of the globe and every country got their own share. And the only way to get yours to be better for you and your people is to go take it from some other country. That's the way they look at the United States of America. That's the way Xi Jinping runs communist China. Vladimir Putin runs Russia. They got to put us down so they can replace us. Instead of everybody just trying to be better, looking at ways that the United States in its history has done so successfully in creating this world, the better world, as bad as it is under Biden, it's still far better than any other country on on the planet, at least right now. So instead of trying to pull us down to the levels of these foreign nations, what they ought to do, and here's a novel idea, they ought to look at the processes that our forefathers instituted that are 240 years old, that basically, with some fine-tuning, we have amendments to the Constitution. What is it, 27? So they fine-tuned a lot of things. That's not much for 240 years. But it works. And if it works, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave it alone. I mean, come on down. We don't need anybody out there tweaking it or adjusting it. If it's going to be changed, if it needs to be changed, that comes from we the people, not from foreign government leaders. And Xi Jinping is doing everything he can for China to move into our spot as the number one economy on the planet. Look at what is about to happen just off the coast of China. Taiwan is about to be formally made a part of communist China. And why is that supposed to be? We have had detente there for decades. Everybody knew. Nobody was going to go in and try to take over Taiwan, including China. But there is so much computer, hardware, software, chips, everything to do with computerized operations that happens in Taiwan. Everybody on the planet, every leader on the planet wants to control Taiwan. Xi Jinping, now that Donald Trump's gone, he's not afraid of Joe Biden. He won't even meet. He won't even talk to Joe Biden on the phone. Did you know that? He's going to take Taiwan, and Joe Biden is going to let him. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. 
This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the... I, I smell, uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. Taking aim at the noise, the lies, and the disinformation of mainstream media. Your warrior of the facts. Here's Dan Newman. Do you like me? Do you scan the news stations? Cable news especially, MSNBC, CNN, of course, Fox News, Newsmax. I do that. And you know why I do it? It's not because I'm looking for information because I don't trust anything that I hear coming out of the mouths of any any of those news anchors or even guests on CNN, MSNBC. Of course, not ABC, CBS, or NBC. And those anchors, oh my gosh. I look at the, sometimes I'll watch, especially MSNBC, and I don't like any of those announcers. Rachel Maddow has got to be the most insane individual, even though she is supposedly brilliant. If she's brilliant, I just can't fathom the stuff coming out of her mouth that you hear and see every day. But I watch and I listen to them, and I never sit down and you know, listen to 30 minutes or even 20 minutes usually. I'll just flip from channel to channel during commercial breaks on some of the other channels. But it's crazy what people in the media that are talking to millions of Americans, what they're saying. And the thing I always come away with when I watch them is, do they really believe this stuff? Do they really believe this? And after the Trump indictment and being arrested and then awaiting trial, which may be years away, and watching and listening to the glee, 
the happiness that's coming from these news anchors. It is absolutely comical. And you know why it's comical to me? Because then people start polling. You know what's interesting? Have you seen a CNN poll this week or last week or MSNBC or ABC News, CBS News? No. You know why? Because the polling results that others are coming away from polling show Donald Trump is getting more powerful among the American people. I'm going to tell you one that came out overnight. This will blow your mind. Former President Trump has experienced an 11-point swing in his direction. Now, this has all happened in the middle of his indictment and his arrest and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis jumping into the race along with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Trump's lead has expanded. Now, this poll was taken June 12th to 14th after DeSantis, former Vice President Mike Pence, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and even North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum jumped into the race right in the middle of it all. Oh, and the indictment of Donald Trump. Trump's lead has increased among likely Granite State Republican primary voters. That's New Hampshire. Jumping from 39% support to 44%, a five-point increase during that time when DeSantis, Bergam from North Dakota, Chris Christie, and former VP Mike Pence all jumped into the race. He's up dramatically, five points in a, in a race that has so many people in it already, as a huge move. During that same time, DeSantis lost six points. His support went from 14% down to just 12. This reflects an 11-point swing in Trump's direction over DeSantis. So overall, Trump's lead has increased from 21 points in May to 32 points now in June. Look in your rearview mirror. Tell me, has Trump made any great announcements or anything positive? No. Donald Trump's being Donald Trump. And you know what? American voters, conservatives in large part, mostly conservative up in New Hampshire, <laughs> they're looking and seeing facts and they're making their opinions known based upon facts. <laughs> oh my gosh. AM Greatness noted that New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who's a Republican, he's kind of a rhino, I think. He was listed in May's survey. He did not take votes away from DeSantis as some people thought that he would have. When Sununu was taken out of the equation in this month's survey, DeSantis did not benefit at all. A majority of Sununu's vote share went to Scott and to Christie. Tim Scott of South Carolina and Chris Christie, former New Jersey governor. This is hard to believe. But you know what? 
it gives us a real sense and it should give everybody in the media and everybody in the Democrat Party should give them a sense of what the American people are looking for and what they don't like about what's going on now. What they don't like, what's going on now, it's everything that Joe Biden is doing and everything Joe Biden is not doing. Later, in our second hour, we're going to bring you a southern border story that will rock your world. And it has 100% to do with the inactions of the current United States president. You don't want to miss this story. This, this just kind of slipped out just an hour or two ago. And it's incredible. Speaking of southern border stuff, Los Angeles's new mayor, Karen Bass, she's going crazy. Texas has sent 42 migrants to Los Angeles that she proudly declared over and over and over again while she was campaigning for mayor. And even since, Los Angeles is a sanctuary city. Bass said this yesterday. It's abhorrent that an American elected official is using human beings as pawns in his cheap political games. This evening, more than 40 people were sent by the governor of Texas to our city of Los Angeles. She said shortly after I took office, and this is Mayor Bass. She was in Congress. She decided to leave Congress and go home and run for mayor. She got elected last November. She said, shortly after I took office, I directed city departments to begin planning in the event Los Angeles was on the receiving end of a despicable stunt that Republican governors have grown so fond of. This did not catch us off guard, she said, nor will it intimidate us. Now it's time to execute our plan. Our emergency management, our police, fire, and other departments were able to find out about the incoming arrival while the bus was on its way and were already mobilized along with nonprofit partners before the bus arrived. And I love this paragraph. Los Angeles is not a city motivated by hate or fear, and we absolutely will not be swayed or moved by petty politicians playing with human lives. We're a city that seeks to treat all people with dignity and compassion, and we will continue to work closely with nonprofit organizations, including the Los Angeles Welcomes Collective, as well as with our county, our state, and federal partners. For everything we do, we will continue to lock arms, and we will continue to lead, and we will always put people's health and well-being over politics. That's Mayor Bass from Los Angeles. They got 40 immigrants. That's about 10 minutes for the state of Texas every day. 40 rocked her world. And when she says those NGOs, those nonprofit organizations that are working with them, you know who they are. They're the ones that the Biden administration has given tens of millions of dollars to to do just what they're going to have to do in L.A., None of that is coming out of Los Angeles's treasury. It's not. It's coming from the feds and where that 
money coming from? You know, the feds are giving it to L.A. It comes from you and me. Oh, by the way, yesterday, Governor Greg Abbott from Texas, he announced the arrival of the first group of migrants that he sent to Los Angeles. They were dropped off at L.A. Union Station. Texas's small border towns remain overwhelmed and overrun by the thousands of people illegally crossing into Texas from Mexico. Why are they coming? Because of President Biden's refusal to secure our border. And he won't let the state of Texas do that because constitutionally, the federal government has sole control. They are the arbiters of anything and everything that goes into supporting our borders. Los Angeles, the governor said, is a major city that migrants want to go to, particularly now that its city leaders approved its self-declared sanctuary city status. Our border communities are on the front lines of President Biden's border crisis, and we in Texas will continue providing this much-needed relief until he steps up to do his job and secures the border. L.A. now has a population of about 4 million within its city limits. They declared last week it will officially become a sanctuary city, and they did so by codifying a ban on cooperating with federal immigration enforcement. The city's previous sanctuary city status had largely been symbolic. Now they're going down there where the rubber meets the road, and the first thing that happens, she goes bonkers. Over 40 illegals? We're talking about Los Angeles, California. Four million people population. And she gripes about 40 illegals? California's already a destination of choice for millions of these illegals because an existing Spanish-speaking population and generous welfare benefits that, by the way, include free health care, If you're an illegal alien, why would you not want to go to L.A.? Last week, the governor, Gavin Newsom, threatened to charge Florida Governor Ron DeSantis with kidnapping for transporting a small group of migrants to Sacramento. This is crazy, people. This is nuts. How can any governor that thinks like Gavin Newsom And like the governors of Michigan and New York and even other states, all Democrats, how can the people in those states elect these sycophants that have no commitment to righteousness, even though they each took an oath of office to righteousness, not specifically saying I swear an oath to righteousness, but to do the right things by enforcing laws and taking care of their people, and then come out in the case of, prime example, New York City, Chicago, when they got migrants after they declared and boastfully screamed from the mountaintop, we're a sanctuary city. We welcome everybody. Well, when some of those everybody show up, they go absolutely berserk, as did Mayor Bass in Los Angeles yesterday. That's where Rush Limbaugh years ago came up with the term. They support symbolism over substance. That is the exact 
most credible depiction of people on the left. They love to scream and holler and claim this. They love to demean everybody that doesn't think like them. And they want to put down anybody that does things that they don't like. But when it shows up on their doorsteps, oh my gosh, they're sanctuary cities. What the heck else would you be doing if you're a sanctuary city but being sanctuary for 40 illegal immigrants? And by the way, the way that works, and this is what Abbott does, and he made it very clear, when they send people out to these cities, when they bust them out, and when they fly them out, what happens is those immigrants, aliens, they fill out a form and they put on the form where they would like to go. Every one of them created a form and signed it before they were put on a bus to go to New York, to Chicago, to Denver, to Los Angeles, wherever they're going. And I should have saved this story. I told you I had something coming up the second hour. We're now in our second hour. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and tell you what's going on that uh, just blows my mind. Not the fact that it's happening, but how it's happening and who's doing it. You know, we're in the middle of a presidential classified document prosecution thing. The left were very successful at getting Joe Biden to create a special prosecutor who has been investigating former President Trump for keeping a treasure trove of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. At the same time, it surfaces that our president, this president, Joe Biden, has classified documents in four different locations that come from when he was vice president and also a bunch when he was U.S. senator. How many documents? Well, they have 1,850 boxes that they got from four different Joe Biden locations. 1,850 boxes. That's kind of a a very obvious thing that should have been observed. Whoever's in charge with it keeping up with all those classified documents and what happens with them. There's got to be a database somewhere in the White House annals that keeps up with what classified documents there were at the end of each administration so somebody could catalog them and know where they're going, where they're going to be stored, and which specific classified documents are contained. We don't know. Former President, excuse me, Vice President Mike Pence He volunteered when this all came out about former President Trump and then our current President Joe Biden before he was president. He came forward and he had a few that he didn't even know he had that ended up at his house after his vice presidency under Donald Trump. But Joe Biden, 1,850 boxes in four different locations. One of them was at one of his houses, that one where the garage that stays open most of the time and holds his Corvette. There were boxes and forms, classified forms, laying around the edges of the garage. How many years all this has been there? We don't know. 
Nobody will tell us. But have you noticed? Let me just say this. I told you that they found or they put together 1,850 boxes of classified documents that Joe Biden had in those four locations. Had you heard that number, 1,850? Had you heard that from anywhere? CNN didn't report it. MSNBC didn't report it. The Washington Post, the New York Times, they didn't report it. Nope, none of them did. You know why? Joe Biden. The Justice Department appointed special counsel Robert Hur, H-U-R, on January 12th. And the reason they did so was they had to do it because they appointed a special counsel to investigate Donald Trump for the documents he has at Mar-a-Lago. So you got Robert Hur in four different locations investigating former vice president, former senator, Joe Biden, who has a bunch of classified documents in his possession. That's Robert Hur. Let me ask you a question. What's the status on that investigation? Have you heard anything? January 12th, special counsel Robert Hur was appointed by the attorney general to investigate President Biden for his handling and possession of classified documents, some of which date back decades to his time in the U.S. Senate. Those documents were discovered from November of 2022. What was happening that month? Uh, An election. And then from 2022 through January of 2023, they've been found. That's the word that was used. Found at the president's former office, at his D.C. think tank, and his garage at his Delaware home. However, we're six months into this. There haven't been any updates from special counsel her or the Justice Department about Joe Biden's classified document handling. Reports indicate key steps of the investigation have not even been started. Jonathan Turley, he wrote this. Her's investigation of classified documents allegedly found to be improperly in Biden's possession appears to have disappeared. That's Jonathan Turley, law professor at Georgetown, excuse me, George Washington University. The concern in many minds is that once again, there may be a stark difference in how the Justice Department pursues Trump versus his opponents. Now, here's the most obvious thing that nobody's reporting. Do you know there is no provision in the law, none, for any former senator, any former representative from the House of Representatives, any former vice president, there is no provision for them to remove one classified document when they leave office. Not one. But for a president, there is litigation There are Supreme Court and other federal court renderings that say a president has the sole right to determine 
what documents are classified and what documents are not. In other words, Joe Biden had no authority to have in his possession a single classified document. According to CBS News, there's no there there, President Biden said in response to a question on the classified documents found at his home and former office. There's no there there. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. Jonathan Turley said that her and the DOJ might be protecting Biden by avoiding an interview entirely. Her can insulate President Biden by simply avoiding a direct interview or statement from him on these facts. It's a crime to lie to federal investigators under 18 U.S.C. 1001. With Trump, the Justice Department was highly aggressive. The public is likely to watch to see if her shows the same no-holds-barred attitude of Smith. A Wall Street Journal columnist, James Freeman, wrote yesterday that Biden should be more forthcoming in his cooperation with investigators to resolve the problem. But if Mr. Biden, who claimed to be unaware of how the documents that shouldn't have been in his office, his home, and his garage ended up in his office, his home, and garage. He was sincere in claiming how seriously he took such issues. He could be much more helpful in bringing the facts to light. Last week, Republican Ohio Rep. Jim Jordan asked the DOJ to provide an unredacted copy of the memorandum outlining the scope and special counsel hers probes regarding President Biden and any supporting documentation related to his appointment as special counsel. And of course, the special counsel's office hadn't said a peep. And they probably won't. Why? Because he's Joe Biden. You're driven all late. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a Dare Ice Coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta Coffee Kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A Dare Ice Coffee Fix will fix it. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say... What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. 
Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan spin-free news from the world. TNN, the Truth News Network, puts it all together for you every day at truthnewsnet.org. That's who we are. TNN Live is produced and presented by truthnewsnet.org. Truth News Network. Well, I'm going to go ahead, before I forget about it, I want to make sure I get this story in. I promised you a story that had to do with some shocking new information about the Biden administration and the lack of enforcement of our immigration laws at our southern border. Listen to this. Migrant smuggling influencers. Now, let me repeat that term. Migrant smuggling influencers. They are cashing in on a very dangerous multi-billion dollar industry by brazenly advertising illegal transportation into the U.S. And their price for doing so? They're advertising it. More than $10,000 a person. And they're advertising it with very slickly produced TikTok videos. The cartel-linked human smugglers known as coyotes in Spanish post highly quality promo videos showing them escorting migrants across rivers and customers smiling inside secret stack houses once purportedly over the border. It's a very planned, coordinated, coordinated, and obviously put together by an advertising firm. The social media savvy outlaws have public profiles on sites like TikTok and YouTube. They flaunt their schemes, which make a mockery of our immigration system under the noses of border protection officers. All you got to do now, open up your phone with a few clicks, talk to a coyote through their social media account. And get a quote for slipping an immigrant illegally into the United States. One alleged human smuggler told the New York Post he charges 180,000 Mexican pesos. That's about $10,500 to sneak a Mexican into the U.S. Prices depend on what country you come from. That's according to Soy Yulin, whose YouTube handle is at Elimigration Heaven Tuturo, which translates to the migrant adventurer. Zulin's footage has raked in nearly 13 million views, shows smugglers in camo slipping illegal immigrants over the border. In one of those videos, border crossers wearing backpacks can be seen trekking along a dusty desert path, followed by what appears to be a family crammed into the back of a vehicle. Another shot filmed in Juarez 
shows the location of Border Patrol officers. His footage also follows migrants on a raft crossing the Rio Grande, the river that separates Texas from Mexico and serves as the international boundary. In that footage shot in Texas's Big Bend region, smugglers can be seen pulling the inflatable packed with migrants across the water with a safety line. The footage is very subtle. Captions claiming to simply be documented the migrant experience until users get in touch to discuss the price and the details of their smuggling service. How about my people? I like to share moments captured on camera at the precise moment. That's Julian writing in a blurb on his YouTube channel. By the way, he has 55,000 subscribers. The simple reason is to share life and everything that we Latinos, legal, undocumented, and Americans have in the USA. So my dear friends, I hope it is to your liking, he wrote. So the New York Post, I mean, they're a good newspaper daily. And so they just contacted this self-proclaimed smuggler using a New York Post email. The smuggler quoted a price of $10,460 to smuggle an illegal immigrant from Mexico to the U.S. For people who have that desire to know more about it, here you find adventures of an immigrant and the different ways of living in the U.S.A. Again, this is Julian. His account documents all parts of an illegal immigrant's journey, including an arrival here in the U.S., while failing to mention the risks that have claimed the lives of thousands of these illegal aliens in recent years. In another video, it shows a young boy, probably seven or eight years old, giving a thumbs up and flashing a grin as he arrives at a safe house. Smugglers are also seen in videos handing out fresh clothing and toiletries as migrants fill up on soda and stew inside one of those stash houses. They're usually these stash houses in border cities like Laredo or El Paso in Texas. They serve as a holding spot until illegals can be picked up and transported further into the U.S., In another scene, this is all in video. You can just go to YouTube and just Google it and it'll pop right up. In another scene, a migrant shown making it his final destination. He gets there, a marathon gas station where loved ones are waiting to pick him up. His excited relatives wait for the man with balloons in a video which looks more like a homecoming than the conclusion of a deadly, and by the way, an illegal Trek. All of the videos are linked to Soy Julen, X-U-L-E-N, who claims to be an immigrant himself. His account also includes contact information for, quote, business inquiries, end quote, as well as links to his other social media profiles. Do a search on TikTok. Use keywords like S-U-E-N-O Americano, that's American Dream, S-U-E-N-O Americano. And it'll show you dozens of more accounts of suspected coyotes. 
I can't believe we haven't heard about this. But these Mexican cartels have turned Joe Biden's illegal and impeachable actions and non-actions into what one, if you were just doing it on a small scale, you would call it a, um, a kitchen work opportunity. It's become a multi-billion dollar industry at the expense of the people who are listening and watching and are watching Joe Biden do nothing. And they're willing to take the risk. And so the cartels, hey, if they're going to come, they're going to come. Why don't we just make a buck or two? on these illegals. And it's really not that hard to do. You just go out there and do it. Wow, we're approaching 30 minutes left in the show. I've got another soundbite that I want you to hear from Sean Hannity and Representative James Comer. And by the way, I'm I'm just going to let you listen to these two. And they talk about what has been discovered, what new stuff has been discovered James Comer is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee that's pretty much doing all of this investigation stuff. Since, of course, the Department of Justice and the FBI, they won't investigate anything to do with any Democrat, especially a sitting U.S. president. So Comer is really digging in, and every day it seems like he's able to pull another layer of the onion off and show it's not good in the Biden world. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer joins us now with more. Um, (laughs) Congressman, I could not believe at the time that when they were going after to impeach Donald Trump over a phone call where he basically is saying, I expect you to be more responsible with taxpayer money, et cetera. Okay, we had that tape of Joe Biden then. We played it. We now we had the interview with Hunter Biden. Nobody paid attention. How would you describe Joe Biden leveraging a billion dollars to get a prosecutor in Ukraine fired and and his son continues to get paid? Um, How would you describe that? What words would you use? What adjectives? It's unimaginable. I can't think of a worse thing that a president in history has done. Uh, This is a president who has a history of using uh, foreign aid and leveraging for for his family's benefit. Look at that Form 1023, Sean. It showed, uh, it dated back to 2017. It said that uh, the oligarch paid Joe Biden a bribe of $5 million. He called Joe Biden the big guy, and he said that uh, investigators would have an impossible job of ever tracking that money down because they were going to launder it through various different banks and shell companies. That's exactly what we've proven on the House Oversight Committee. And then you have the tape that you just played from from 2017, where Joe Biden admitted to leveraging foreign aid tax dollars. So the FBI knew this all along, yet they never investigated this one time. Thankfully, now, the House Oversight Committee is. All right, let me stay focused on the first incident, then we're going to bring it up to where you are in your investigation. Okay, Joe Biden leverages the billion, he gets a prosecutor fired, used our money to do it, and his son continues to get paid. His son had no experience. He's getting paid a lot of money. And, and my question is, 
Is that a vice president of the United States of America taking specific actions for the financial benefit of his family? Because that's what it seems like to me. Otherwise, why would any vice president give a rip about a prosecutor in Ukraine? They wouldn't care about it, would they? Well, no, and I sure think it is, Sean. What? <laughs> I, I think it is, Sean. And, and you, you look back, why did Joe Biden volunteer during the end of the Obama administration to, to fly around and, and hand out foreign, poli- foreign aid checks and to talk about foreign policy? Uh, look, we, we tracked down the money in Romania j- less than two weeks after Joe Biden left Romania and Air Force Two. His family started getting wires through shell companies that were laundered back down to Biden's less than two weeks after he left Romania for foreign aid. So everything we found in Romania is consistent with what this FBI 1023 form alleges that the FBI had. Okay, now, and you estimate that nine Biden family members were beneficiaries, including grandchildren, will be in funnel money through these mm-hmm. shell corporations, fake LLCs. Um, let me ask you about that. You say between 20 and 30 million dollars from foreign nationals. Is that true? And what do we know about the 17 tapes? Do we have them? Do you know who has them? Well, with the, with the money, first of all, we've already tracked down a little over 10 million dollars. We're pretty confident from other sources that that number will grow to beyond 20 million and it could be more if you factor in the president's brother who dealt mainly in the Middle East. We haven't even gotten to him yet. Uh, With respect to the tapes, look, it mentioned in the FBI form that the oligarch had uh, 17 tapes of Biden, two with Joe Biden, except in the bribe that he used that as an insurance and, and this, policy. This oligarch the, the is F- a high-ranking, was a high-ranking member uh, or owner of Burisma? Yes, that is exactly right. So have you, you had have the you tape had any that contact you just showed with him. Unfortunately, nobody's had any contact with him for the last three years. You know, the, the MSNBC makes fun of me when I said that there are a lot of people that were involved in uh, the Biden shenanigans that that are, are currently missing. But with, with respect to this oligarch, we think we know where he is. Uh, he just hasn't been seen in public in a long time. But uh, we're following the money. We, we've subpoenaed bank records last week that are coming in as we speak that we're hopeful that will show some more signs of, of some influence peddling in countries, including Ukraine. Uh, this is what the Biden family has done, and they've never been investigated seriously until the House Oversight Committee uh, became a Republican majority and we received a gavel in January. I believe the tape of Joe Biden we played and the tape of Hunter proves that that was influence peddling. Instead of investigating real, real things, really important things, guess who the DOJ is investigating? It's not Joe Biden. Not Hunter Biden. They're investigating. They announced officially yesterday the PGA Tour Live Golf merger. Now think about this. The Department of Justice has informed the PGA. It has officially launched a probe into the proposed merger between U.S. golf giant Live and the Saudi-backed Live Golf. In other words, PGA Tour and Live Golf. Last week, the tour made a shocking announcement. It really shocked me that it was merging with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, despite months of tour representatives accusing Live supporters of sports washing Saudi Arabia's blood money. 
the DOJ is now looking into the merger proposal for possible antitrust violations. You can't make this up. This probe comes a year after the DOJ put the PGA Tour under a microscope for imposing indefinite suspensions and big fines on any PGA player who left the PGA Tour to play for Liv. And the DOJ also suspects antitrust violations. The new investigation comes a week after the tour announced the merger between itself, the DP World Tour, and Liv into a new collectively owned for-profit entity, which thus far we haven't heard a name. PIF PIF will invest up to $2 billion into the new entity. A member of the U.S. Senate has also started looking into the merger. Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, a Democrat, officially opened an investigation on Wednesday. Meanwhile, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Ron Wyden have called upon the DOJ to open an antitrust investigation. Oddly, one day after the merger was announced, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan announced he was stepping back from control of the tour for a medical leave of absence. (laughs) Makes you wonder what that medical leave of absence was for, probably has something to do with uh, something that didn't quite fit being put up his booty. This is the most insane thing I've ever heard, and I've been in sports my entire life, in media, also acting, and in ownership of a couple of arena football teams. I've never seen anything like this, and I love golf. I really do. I love golf, and I thought it was a cool deal that the PGA was finally having somebody compete with them. Live golf, yeah? There's no question about it. Saudi Arabia is known for treating people kind of in a nasty way when they disagree with the government there. I get that, and I know that. But you don't think anything's happening kind of unethical, maybe a little underhanded by the PGA through the years? I know some professional golfers. Not everybody has this flaming, good, polite, Nice thing to say about the PGA. After all, they're just like everything else. They're made up of people. And people, in many cases, are flawed. And there are problems that people have, and often those problems deal with how they deal with other people. I get all that. But our government, our federal government, with those already way extended resources. They need more money for the Department of Justice to keep us safe, right? Yeah. The FBI needs a new multi-billion location to move their headquarters. Why? So they can expand and keep Americans safe when the stuff that really matters, like breaking the law at top levels in our government... They decide they're going to open up an investigation of Live Golf. Where in the heck does that come from? And who thought of that? Oh, by the way, I don't know if you heard this or not, but there's another trial that's about to get set against former President Trump. 
and it was announced overnight. The trial, you remember the E. Jean Carroll trial that happened where Donald Trump was told by the judge to pay, I think, $5 million to this woman who years ago, she says, he sexually assaulted her in a changing room in a New York store. Her name is E. Jean Carroll. And now she's decided to come back and sue him again the second time. Once again, this is a stupid, stupid thing. A federal judge has scheduled that second defamation trial against Donald Trump. It's going to start on January 2024. They, by the way, set this just days before Republican primary voters are going to start presidential nominating processes. Yesterday, U.S. District Judge Lewis Kaplan set Carroll's civil trial against Trump for January 15th, 2024, in a brief scheduling order. The scheduling comes days after Kaplan allowed Carroll to amend her second defamation suit against Trump to seek up to $10 million more in damages. Last month, a nine-member jury found Trump liable for sexual battery and defaming Carol and granted her an award of $5 million. The jury awarded Carol $2 million for the sexual battery claim and $3 million for defamation. Her second lawsuit stems from comments Trump made in 2019 regarding her accusations of rape. Kaplan allowed Carol to amend her lawsuit to include Trump's comments at a recent CNN town hall where he insisted he had no idea who this woman is and that her allegations are a fake and made-up story. We maintain that she should not be permitted to retroactively change her legal theory at the 11th hour to avoid the consequences of an adverse finding against her. This is from Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, She said that in a statement after Kaplan allowed the lawsuit to be amended. Notably, Carroll's defamation trial is set to start just days before Iowa's first-in-the-nation Republican primary caucus. That's going to happen on January 24th. A January trial date would undoubtedly affect the race for the Republican nomination, both by distracting the current frontrunner and by tarnishing him relative to other candidates in the race. You think? Trump faces at least three trials within the next 12 months. That will include this new one that's going to start in January. New York Attorney General Letitia James scheduled her office's civil lawsuit for fraud against Trump and his company for October. Then Trump faces a criminal trial in March of 2024, weeks after the GOP primary Super Tuesday, and that's coming from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's investigation into Trump's alleged falsification of business records. Special Counsel Jack Smith's investigation resulted in federal criminal charges against Trump this this week but no trial date has yet been set in the case so far. Do you think there just might be? I'm not a conspiracy theorist person, but do you think there just may be some um, coordination going on in this thing? 
Do you think there are people that are just ramping up, getting other people angry and mad? And somebody like E. Jean Carroll, who, by the way, she couldn't remember the store that this happened in. She didn't report it when it happened. And the only hard evidence that it might have happened was since this all came up, she told two of her friends of what he allegedly did, and they testified at trial. But this thing supposedly happened a couple of decades ago. But we're talking about New York. New York, New York, we all know. Hey, everything goes in New York City. You can't say anything wrong, you can't do anything wrong, so just fly by the seat of your pants, and while you're doing that, grab a few bucks from the former president. After all, he's got a lot of bucks. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle! I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it? to put your seatbelt on. People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety, a message from the government of South Australia. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. Now, if I hadn't blown your mind yet today, I'm going to blow your mind with this one. You know, Space Force, that was the entity that was formed in the Trump administration, and it was for space exploration to kick off space stuff again. Well, after Trump left office, Joe Biden came in and he replaced the general that Trump had appointed to run Space Force. And this general, can we have a drum roll? This general admits that access to gender surgery 
is a bigger priority than accepting better qualified candidates. Now, what does this mean? The U.S. Space Force has gone completely unequivocally woke, as made evident at a recent Department of Defense Pride event. During that event, U.S. Space Force Lieutenant General Deanna Burt spewed a bunch of woke nonsense about how she performs her job. Transformational cultural change requires leadership from the top, and we don't have time to wait, she said. Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBT plus laws have been introduced at the state level, she said. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous to our service members, their families, and the readiness of the force as a whole. This so-called anti-LGBT plus laws typically simply bar kids from pursuing puberty blockers, transgender surgery, and other non-reversible procedures. It's not clear what this has to do with the military and its readiness. By the way, it's also not clear whether it's appropriate for a top federal government agent to criticize state laws that she appears to personally dislike. And by the way, she's trends herself. I'm just saying. When I look at potential candidates, say for squadron command, I strive to match the right person to the right job. I consider their job performance and relevant experience first. However, I also look at their personal circumstances and their family is also an important factor. If a good match for a job does not feel safe being themselves and performing at their highest potential at a given location, or if their family could be denied critical health care due to the laws in a state, I am compelled to consider a different candidate and perhaps less qualified, she concluded. And so, she's willing to sacrifice candidate quality at the altar of the cult of transgenderism. The backlash to Burt's remarks has been pretty severe. At Frank Goodman said, replying to at William Tebow and at Department of Defense, state law and legislators are being openly targeted by the Department of Defense. This is so far beyond the pale, not to mention a crime. In a reply to William Tebow and at Department of Defense, Tyler said, Absolutely disgusted. At Department of Defense is a disgrace because of those that have buoyed to the top. They can all go trans themselves. There's no room for politics while wearing the uniform, and to tie it to readiness is absurd. The laws she danced around are laws to protect children. Leave our children alone. Criticism 2 has come from Space Force veteran Lieutenant Colonel Matt Lohmeyer, who, as previously reported, was relieved of command a couple of years ago after he self-published a book about the creeping Marxism taking over the U.S. military. Two years ago, he was removed. Two years ago. What was going on two years ago? Yeah, Joe Biden became president. 
I was once fired from command in the Space Force Department of Defense for allegedly being politically partisan while acting in an official capacity. That allegation was totally false. Lieutenant General Burt here demonstrates what being politically partisan while acting in an official capacity really looks like. He tweeted that out. But it's not just Burt, who was way out of line at the DOD Pride event. Multiple senior Defense Department leaders used an event celebrating Pride Month at the Pentagon to sound the alarm about the rising number of state laws they say target the LGBT community, warning the trend is hurting the armed forces. You know, this is a report out of Politico. And there are some examples. One is Gil Cisneros, the Pentagon's Undersecretary for Personnel and Readiness, said this, LGBTQ plus and other diverse communities are under attack just because they are different. Hate for hate's sake. Representative Jim Banks, who's chair of the House Armed Services Committee's Military Personnel Panel, he responded to the noise by issuing a statement warning that the military's focus on wokeness has harmed recruiting, retention, and morale, wasted service members' time and taxpayer dollars, and undermined the apolitical character of the military, which is a major threat to democracy and even the American way of life. But you know what? After all, it's okay. SpaceX, they got to go woke, just like every other branch of Joe Biden's military. They're all going woke. And you know who is looking in and watching and foaming at the mouth? You know who. The likes of Xi Jinping in China and Vladimir Putin in Russia and the Ayatollah in Iran and any other nation and every other nation that looked to the United States They've hated us for generations because we've been successful across the board by maintaining a structure that puts people first. And they certainly don't in their countries, but they love to see the United States failing. And they want us to really fail. So Joe Biden, several of his bureaus is undersecretaries, they have from the very beginning seized control over American land and property. And every few days it seems like they announce some policy that's going to be rolled out that is going to take power away from the people. people. And in many cases, take land away from the people. And the government decides what they are going to do and everything they're going to allow to be done. Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota appeared yesterday before a committee testifying. Here's Governor Noem. Today, um, as the current governor of the great state of South Dakota, I want to direct my comments specifically to a piece of legislation that you are debating and considering, H.R. 3397. This legislation would require the director of the Bureau of Land Management to withdraw a rule relating to conservation and landscape health. This rule is just one of many that highlights an example of overreaching, unelected bureaucracy, attempting to perpetuate radical environmental policies that ignore common sense. 
They ignore stewardship practices that have been practiced on our land for generations, uh, while allowing multiple uses of this uh, precious resource to strengthen America and our people. We have doing that for many, many years. In my written testimony, which I've submitted today to you, Mr. Chairman, I list several specific reasons why this rule would be so devastating for our people in South Dakota and for our economy. Why I take, I think it is impossible for them to move forward with this and to responsibly conserve our land. I encourage all of you to read that written testimony. It goes into much more detail. In addition to my testimony today, I've joined a letter with other governors, with governors of Utah, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, and my friend sitting here with me today, Governor Mark Gordon of Wyoming. Uh, he's a voice, and they all voice concerns with the Biden administration directly on this proposed rule. Like many of you, land conservation for our family isn't just a theory. It's the way that we have lived for many, many generations. I was raised by a dad who often reminded me, Christy, we don't sell land because God's not making any more land. From the time I was a young girl, I listened to him talk about soil types. I listened to him talk about the importance of native ground, conservation practices, and management decisions. I learned the scientific data and the research of what it took to operate on that land and to protect it, but I also learned why he cared so much because working the land wasn't just a job or a career to my father. It was our family legacy. It was our way of life. It was a culture that not only preserves a critical work ethic that is so important to this country, but it also reminded us daily of the natural resources that were a gift from God. As I grew older, I learned more about the importance of keeping all areas of our country productive. To help stabilize the economy, every part of our nation needs to produce, and that would help us during very difficult economic times. I also learned how critical it was to be energy independent, how important it was to protect our nation's food supply and to produce our own food. Now, when I was elected governor, I selected a fellow rancher as my lieutenant governor. His name was Larry Roden, and to our knowledge, we are the only governor and lieutenant governor in the history of the nation that both spent our living, our lives making a living from agriculture. We're very proud of that, and we understand as well as anyone that our farmers and our ranchers care about our land. They are stewards. We care about preserving it to pass it on to our kids and to our grandkids. My experience in business and in public office and national security issues has reaffirmed my belief that our enemies and those who hate the United States of America may never need to fire a shot to take us over. They may not need to. We are going to be surrendering our freedom by becoming more dependent on them for our critical needs, for gas, oil, food, medicine, and more. When a country controls our food supply and our energy supply, they will control us, and American freedom will be gone. We cannot allow rules like this to move forward in a way that stops productivity and it stops American independence. Nearly 98% of BLM surface lands in South Dakota are grazed by permittees. Grazing is an important conservation strategy in South Dakota. We also host 76 active producing oil and gas wells and 36,762 acres. These acres provide outdoor recreation opportunities, including hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, and more, and we must maintain public access in order for these lands to benefit both South Dakota residents and visitors. The governor, all she's doing is giving that committee facts as the Biden administration is trying to strictly for political purposes take over land by declaring it, hey, 
we're going to make it a park or we're going to declare it something natural that people can't get into and mess up. And people's lives would be changed. That's a wrap today. You guys have a great weekend. Dr. Judy Mikovits on Monday. And of course, bullet points tomorrow. Don't forget Dr. Mikovits, her appearance back in May of 2020 on Sunday. Hey!